Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Road Show. Lindsey Rhodes here with a look ahead to the 14 remaining games in Week 12. We've got a busy slate this week. Every single team in action. Or at least we think every single team will be in action. There's some question marks surrounding the Ravens-Steelers game. We'll get to that in a second. Plus, of course, we saw four teams play on Thursday. and We've got some thoughts on that game. We, in this case, being me and my producer extraordinaire, Saul Malone, who is a Texans fan... So clearly had a good Thanksgiving. I'm having a great Thanksgiving. Still basking in the glow of a blowout of the Lions. Feels good. Guilty as charged on being a Texans fan. And the moments of feeling good have been few and far between this season. So <laughs> it felt very good to get a win on Thanksgiving. For real, a blowout. Yes. They're only even... favored by three. Yeah. Uh, Just... I can't. I'm not, you know, I, I may have placed a bet on the Texans to cover the spread. Oh, maybe. Okay. And uh, they delivered. If I was a betting person, um, then I would have as well. I tweeted out before the games that I was taking the Texans minus three and the Washington football team plus three just to put it on the record because I yeah. felt like if, I, if, I've, if I've come to a conclusion where I've decided that I have a favorite, then I just want to get credit in case I'm <laughs> right. And then thank goodness I was so right. Yeah, no, I saw that tweet. I can confirm that this is true. Uh, this this tweet did go out. I think it's great to just have it on the record of like, yeah, I didn't put any money down. But if I did, yeah. here's what I would have done. And look how right I was. I know. I don't even know how to put money down. Like, I'm, you know, sure I have friends that could point me in the right direction. But this is, you know, whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a gambling person by nature. I'm a little bit more risk averse. We'll work through that. Anyway, uh, we've got a lot more to say about those games from Thursday. Plus my favorite fantasy plays for this week. I've got a few guys to bring to your attention who have particularly good matchups. First though, the latest news. So let's break the huddle. COVID hitting the NFL really hard this week. The Ravens in particular, they're dealing with an outbreak. There's no other way around it. This uh, now includes Lamar Jackson. According to reports, he tested positive late in the week. One of a dozen players that have tested positive there in Baltimore, which brings us to the heart of the matter. Can they play this game safely on Sunday? And as we sit here right now taping this show, they haven't yet made a final decision, they being the NFL. It's entirely possible that they cancel this game, maybe even likely, but the consequences of doing so are plentiful. Like, when do you make this game up? Because the Ravens have already had their bye. And they've got another game coming up on Thursday. So does that game have to move also? Does the NFL have to add an extra week at the end of the year, a week 18? Do they have the Ravens forfeit the game? Which, by the way, I learned today, would result in a loss of paycheck for not just the Ravens players, but the Steelers players too, because there's no revenue being brought in for the game. So that is a disaster. And speaking of Pittsburgh being punished for the Ravens outbreak, poor Pittsburgh's already had its bye week cannibalized by a game like this back in week four. Remember, that was when the Titans dealt with an outbreak during the week in which they were supposed to play Pittsburgh. So they changed that game to a bye at the last second. So Pittsburgh didn't really even get that bye because they were preparing for a game all week. Then when this game moved from Thursday to Sunday, they had what would have been a 10-day break go away. So all of this far from ideal for a team that's managed to remain undefeated to this point. So again, we are awaiting word on that game. As for the other games that are moving forward, 
They will be without Larry Fitzgerald, who has tested positive and will miss the Cardinals-Patriots game. DeForest Buckner is going to miss the Colts-Titans game. According to Ian Rappaport, he tested positive earlier in the week, one of the Colts' best defensive players. Broncos had a player and two staff members test positive, so they canceled practice Friday, switched over to virtual preps for their game against the Saints. As for non-COVID news, there is some. We've got some quarterback movement. Mike Glennon is going to start for the Jaguars. Get excited, Saul. It's Mike <laughs> Glennon time. First start in three years against the Browns, so maybe fire up the Browns' defense and fantasy. Glennon was a bit of a turnover machine last time we saw him with the Chicago Bears. Uh, it's going to be Sam Darnold again for the Jets. His shoulder's finally good enough to get back out there for the first time this year with the three wide receivers that they all planned on playing the whole season with. Adam Gase says that it'll be a chance to see what maybe they could have been, which really bugs me for some reason, uh, as if injuries are the reason that the Jets have failed to win a game. In Chicago, everything's pointing to Mitch Trubisky back under center. He's taken all the practice reps this week. Still, Nagy says that he's going to keep an eye on Foles' progress today. He's dealing with a hip injury from Week 10, but I'm expecting to see Trubisky as their quarterback. Finally, on the injury front, the Bucks' O-line is a disaster. Okay, Their center, A.Q. Shipley, they thought he had a stinger on Monday. Turns out it's a potentially career-ending neck injury. So thank goodness they caught it. So it didn't turn into something worse, uh, but he will not be available for this game or any moving forward this season. Left tackle Donovan Smith has not practiced all week long with an ankle injury. It's still possible that he could play without practicing, but again, he hasn't practiced. And we're still waiting on Ali Marpet, who is their left guard, to be cleared out of the concussion protocol. He has been practicing, so it looks like that's trending in the right direction, but they haven't gotten the official okay. So all of this is to say that the people who protect Tom Brady, they're not at full strength, and they have the Chiefs on Sunday. So no bueno. And I have some thoughts on some Bucks players that I think you should sit down in fantasy. We'll get to that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, as for the games on Thursday, holy blowout city, Saul. Yes. Both of them. Not even close. Got ugly fast, got ugly quick, and yeah, just a couple of games where I, especially you know, in a, an NFC East battle, you kind of expect a, a a battle of mediocrity where the game's at least close. But the football team kind of stepped and stepped up defensively and really just ran away with that thing. Well, in the fourth quarter where yeah. they scored twenty one points, right? Just so erupted. it was close, and then all of a sudden it wasn't close at all. Uh, the football team who has some pretty nice weapons that don't get enough national love because they're playing on a middling team there right. in Washington. But uh, Terry McLaurin is a special talent. Oh, yeah. He leads the league in receiving yards. Just an absolute monster. Can catch anything that's thrown towards him. Uh, uh, can yeah, catch I, Jalen Smith from behind. Can catch Jalen Smith from behind. I mean, flashes of DK Metcalf. I mean, that exact sort of same play where he ran him down. So impressive. Saved seven points on that play. I mean, absolutely yeah. saved points. Like, kept points off the board. Um, and I think, I don't know if you saw last week, but uh, Alex Smith threw Terry McLaurin a deep ball, and Antonio Gibson just reacted with the best, like, just he just said, he's different, man. And, like, that is mm. so true about, you know, he's, the, you're right, the, the football team doesn't get a lot of love. Antonio Gibson kind of had a coming out party yesterday. Mm -hmm. Three touchdowns, mm -hmm. 115 yards on the ground, just an absolute monster of a day. And, you know, like, he's been putting up pretty good numbers throughout the year, but I think finally 
you know, in front of a national audience, these guys are starting to realize, like, hey, this, this team has some talent on both sides of the ball. That defense has been good all season. The defense has been. That front in particular, the Washington O-line has been playing really well these last few weeks. I think PFF has them as their highest graded uh, O-line from week 11. So that's saying something. Um, I I love that Antonio Gibson is getting the type of volume that he's getting now because early in the season he was splitting time with guys like Peyton Barber and McKissick. And McKissick uh, has still been worked into the offense. Um... particularly in the passing game, though he was very quiet yesterday. They didn't go to him very much. But I I like the fact that that they're at least using – and I look look at everything through at least a partial fantasy prism, so you have to keep that in mind, that when you have a talent like Antonio Gibson that comes in, it just seems obvious that you kind of get a little bit more uh, snaps than they were getting him early in the season. And maybe they were doing that for a reason as a rookie and – uh, building him to this point, but uh, I like that we're at this point with him because he seems like he's going to be a fun talent to watch for the next few years. Uh, Dallas is just getting annihilated for the fake punt in the fourth. Yeah, so fourth bad. and ten with twelve minutes left, down by four, just, and they punt just, a play that had no chance from the start. And also, you know, the Cowboys lose Zach Martin for this game, which. They are just getting decimated by injuries. Like I, you know, besides the 49ers, I don't think I've seen a team kind of ravaged by injuries as much as maybe the Cowboys have been. But yeah, just a very bad fake punt that wasn't going to work, and just from the outset had people kind of scratching their head. And just like it, just makes you question kind of what what's Mike McCarthy doing? Like what what's going on with him in, in Dallas? Is he did he really bring is he really bringing this much to the table? Like it just kind of looks like those old late season, you know. Packers teams that he was in charge of were just bad well and it just felt it felt like the type of risk that you don't take at the time that you don't it just felt like uh, why you know I don't understand in that in that position where on the very next play so now the the fake punt doesn't work and you give the ball to Washington and they score on the very next play so you're putting them in field goal range at the very least just like here's the ball kick a field goal if you want to three points um, it, it just didn't seem to make much sense. The the one um, play that I want to highlight in that game, though, was that uh, Fumble Ruski-style hidden ball trick that Rivera says that he got, and he's run before when he was with the Panthers, but um, maybe on not as big a stage. <laughs> he he was inspired by the movie Little Giants. Oh, That's where that play came from. Absolute classic movie. Shout out Little Giants and Rick Moranis for sure. Um, and also just really, you know, fun to see Riverboat Run kind of make a flash you know yeah it's fun to see him still you know still kind of got that fun sense of like this football can be a good time and you know why not like this is the game to do it you're on national tv prime time everybody's eyes are on you you're playing for the lead in the nfc east like and you know it's funny which is ridiculous ridiculous. by the way (laughs) both teams are three and seven they're battling for first place and now who wants their fourth win you get first place you get to have your you get to sit atop the division if you win your fourth game which is and the it, Eagles play the Seahawks this week, so obviously the first place is temporary until the Eagles play. If the Eagles win, then they move back into first because they have the tie instead of the loss. Um, but they play the Seahawks, so I don't I know don't, how that's going to happen. I don't necessarily foresee them taking over the first place spot I after that I do not game. foresee that, no. And they've got some stuff going on on the O-line and shuffling some players around. They're just looking for anything to move in Philadelphia – uh, want to say about the Texans game, Deshaun Watson 
has 16 touchdowns and no turnovers in his last six games. He's playing out of his mind. And this, what? I am, you know, you said up top, I'm a Texans fan. And I'm going to yeah. say this, I think, I think pretty objectively. I think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, playing playing football right now. Um, mm. Over this stretch of games, I should say, over okay. this stretch, over the last four, three or four games, I'm not Be- ready to move him ahead of Mahomes in I any conversation. But that's that's fine. I just think that I think watching him play over these last few, three games, like you said, with these 16 touchdowns, zero, and like he has willed, he has put his this team squarely on his shoulders. And has his, willed them to victory. <laughs> his uh, team's leading rusher uh, put up 37 yards on the ground yesterday. Disgusting. Yeah. Like just is, getting no help whatsoever from the ground game, he, unless it's him. Yeah, unless it's him. It's it's he he is the offense. Him and and that receiving core right now are are what's making the Texans click on offense. And it, it, it's it's not fun to watch the Texans try to run the ball. It's not. I mean. CJ Prosize was in the game yesterday, and I, I I knew they had picked him up for a practice squad spot, but I had no idea that CJ Prosize had been activated to the active roster and was playing <laughs> NFL football and you're a in the year fan. in the year 2020. CJ Prosize scored on, a touchdown in front of a national audience on Thanksgiving. Uh, Will Fuller is putting together a pretty nice season. Got some love from DeAndre Hopkins during the game. He tweeted, "Will Fuller is a real number one." Um, I don't want to be a hater. I don't know if Will Fuller, if I see him as a real number one, I, th- I would prefer, I suppose, for Will Fuller to be a two. Like yes. if I had a team constructed the yes. way that I wanted it to be constructed, I would love to put him in that spot. But um, but he is having a really good year. I think that goose egg in week two maybe took him off our radar. Yeah. But he's worked his way back on at six catches, 171 yards and two scores. Yeah, he, monster game. And, you know, we at the beginning of the season, the discussion was like, hey, DeAndre Hopkins is gone, and while Will Fuller might not be the same receiver that DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins is, um, and, and there's no question they are not the same, but those targets have to go somewhere. And, you know, they have to go to someone that, you know, at the beginning at least, Deshaun Watson was comfortable with, and that's Will Fuller. And, you know, week two was a, a goose egg, like he said, but I think he's come on strong, and they ha- he's had pretty much a, at least a catch and he he went six weeks with a touchdown catch like he had six games in a row with a td like he was on fire and then brandon cooks kind of has started to emerge a little bit more in the passing game especially since bill o'brien was let go so they wanted to get him more involved i know that he wasn't as involved as maybe brandon cooks would have liked and maybe as the coaching staff that came in was like okay we got to get this guy involved too but will fuller is just their de facto number one and has been playing like one over the past few weeks i think the lions are in a tough spot because yes. uh Gosh, it's a weird time to fire somebody. Yeah. Right? I Like, as they're walking off the field yesterday, I'm like, do they fire him today? Is it? Yeah. I mean... It, it, because I thought they probably would have fired him. Yeah. Um, You know, aside from if there are extenuating circumstances in that building where they maybe are talking about draft picks or something like that. But just yeah. if you're just thinking football, then it made sense to fire Matt Patricia after they got shut out on Sunday. Yeah. But I figured they didn't do that because they've got a short week coming up with the Thanksgiving game, and that's never a week where you want to fire somebody and then have the whole conversation on a nationally televised game be about the fired coach and how poorly things are going. But now that that's past us, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think there's some benefit there to maybe maybe moving on now. Yeah. Besides starting to get a jump on looking for your next coach. Yeah. I mean, besides Adam Gase, he's on the hottest seat in the NFL, I would say. Um, and it's just, it's bad football. He's not, he's not really meant 
or it doesn't look like he's cut out to be a head coach right now. And, you know, that happens sometimes. You take a risk on a guy or take a chance on a guy that is coming out of the Bill Belichick tree. I understand the appeal right there. He had a great defense. He coordinated one of the best defenses ever in, in New England under for, for that that defense that had him go to the Super but- Bowls. But the defense isn't doing well in Detroit. Detroit. So There's you can not. say, okay, so the offense, you know, the conversation is they got shut out and the offense, it, nothing's working there. Well, the defensive side of the ball, which is what he was hired to do, right? He's a defensive guy. The defense is 31st in uh, scoring defense. So they allow the second most points in the <laughs> NFL. That's not, if, you, if your thing is like, hey, I'm a defensive guy, then that's not going to get the job done all right so those are the first two games of the week we've got 14 more to go or 13 if they cancel Ravens Staler Steelers and I have some fantasy advice for you after this and we're back with a look ahead to Sunday and some help constructing your fantasy lineups we've got nine games in the early window three in the afternoon um pretty good games on in prime time, Sunday night and Monday night, we've got the uh, Bears-Packers, which is, okay, maybe not a great game there, but an interesting matchup uh, in terms of seeing the Packers and the Seahawks-Eagles. I take it back. We've got awful primetime games this week. <laughs> I was lying to you. So um, the bulk of it will be in the early and afternoon windows. And... Let's talk about some interesting matchups and guys that I think could perform well. I want to start by saying that there are some injury guys that we want to keep our eye on here that could change things. Um, Thielen in particular. So Thielen tested positive um, for COVID earlier in the week on Monday, but then he tested negative according to Tom Pelissero on Tuesday. So... I would suggest that there's a chance there potentially if he actually had COVID, then it takes a lot longer to get cleared and back on the field. But if he turned around a negative test the next day, then that would seem to indicate that potentially it was a false positive. So if they could get that cleared up and he could maybe test positive again, I think there's an outside chance. We just need to keep that on our radar about whether or not Adam Thielen plays because that changes things a little bit there, certainly from his fantasy perspective, but also maybe for Jefferson and some of the other uh, trickle-down targets there and Irv Smith, guys like that. Julio, uh, Calvin Ridley, we're keeping an eye on them. DJ Chark. Um, didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday because of a rib injury. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on there, though the quarterback situation there is not good. Again, I mentioned earlier it's Mike Glennon, so you might not want to play DJ Chark or any of the fantasy assets there in the passing game in Jacksonville anyway. Uh, the other one, though, is Kalen Balage, who has had a pretty nice couple of weeks. Will Austin Eckler has been activated. Will he actually play? So keep an eye on the Austin Eckler situation and know that that impacts Kalen Blush. Uh, how, getting on to the matchups, though. So there's a quarterback here that I feel like we've been told to play um, for like four weeks now, and I have not been interested in playing. And this week, I would potentially consider playing him, and that is Derek Carr, who is QB. Why are you laughing? Uh, it's our guy. It's our guy, Derek. Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about Derek this year. Derek is no doubt having an outstanding year. Having a good okay? But that hasn't always translated to great fantasy value. And he's one of those guys that just isn't a massive fantasy quarterback. He's not going to put up a ton of yards. And, and, and frankly, in fantasy, a lot of it is 
rushing value. You have yeah. to have that element to your game now in order to be competitive from a fantasy point standpoint. Anyway, he's QB 17 on the season. He was QB 8 last week. Um, this week, he has a Falcons defense that's allowed seven different quarterbacks to throw for 300-plus yards. Taysom Hill just put <laughs> up 24 points against them last week. He was the week's QB 3. In week 9, Drew Locke was QB four against them. Kirk Cousins was QB eight against them in week nine. I tend to think that that's probably a reasonable ballpark for Carr against them this week. And I would say that if you're going to plug Derek Carr into a lineup, that that's probably you'd be happy if he was QB eight. Yeah, and we've seen throughout the season the Cardinals defense will cure what ails you when it comes to fantasy. Like if you have some guys going against that Falcons defense, fire them up, usually without fear. Um, Usually kind of just kind of kind of – Unless you're Matthew Stafford, coached by Matt Patricia, in which case you're not going to take advantage of those matchups. No, you're, you're just going to run the ball. Or you know, that was such a maddening game for me. <laughs> that that was where Patricia lost me. Was that game when he that didn't game. take advantage of the Falcons matchups? No joke. True story. Uh, running back. Okay, so I know. Don't yell at me. This is obvious. Everyone's playing Dalvin Cook. This is a conversation more for what your expectations should be, and if you are putting together any DFS rosters. I suggest this is a week that you do want to pay up for Dalvin Cook. He is in a smash spot. Obviously, uh, the best fantasy running back in the league. And he has one of the best matchups this week. Panthers allowing the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. They've given up 20 plus points to five different runners. Rojo from the Bucks ran for 192 against them in week two. Just for context, that's Rojo. This is Dalvin Cook who has already rushed for over 180 yards in two games this year. Can you imagine what he could do with that type of matchup? I also think it should be a big week for Chubb and Hunt against the Jaguars, who are allowing the third most fantasy points to running backs. Ten different running backs have either run for 80 yards or scored a touchdown against them or done both. Chubb and Hunt guaranteed 10 carries apiece. They get tons of volume. Uh, Some people would even argue this is a good matchup for Baker Mayfield, potentially against this Jaguars defense, but they have shown that they do not want to put the ball in his hands. So I expect them to run the air out of the football this week and have a lot of success in doing it. So I'm expecting big weeks for Chubb and Hunt. I think a lot of people out there might be a little gun shy playing Gurley after his 26 yard rushing game against the Saints last week, but it's a good matchup for him this week. And his fantasy value has kind of gone the way of his touchdowns have gone. He's mm. just found the end zone so frequently, and the Raiders have allowed the second most rushing touchdowns to running backs. Uh, Gurley has double-digit fantasy points in every game in which he's scored a touchdown, and yeah. he has five touchdowns in games that Julio has been inactive or injured in. Yeah. I'm so pretty, uh... keeping an eye on Julio's injury for another reason there, Gurley might be a guy that you want to fire up. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Gurley this week. I just think that's a really good matchup. I think people suffer pretty high from recency bias, and they're going to look at last week against New Orleans totally. and not want to fire him up because he put up a dud. Um, but, I mean, like you said, going up against a very vulnerable defense, you know, second most rushing touchdowns allowed to running backs, fourth most fantasy points allowed to running backs overall this season, just a very good matchup. I 
I would feel pretty confident saying I, I think Ty Gurley is going to get in the end zone. And we know when he gets in the end zone, he provides double-digit points, which is always, always good. Um, another running back I think we should keep an eye on um, is David Montgomery from the Bears. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> he is coming off of the – he's coming out of the concussion protocol. But mm-hmm. he's they're going up against the Packers. And as we've seen, the Packers are not yeah. very good at defending the run. And we've seen that the Bears cannot throw the ball. Very well. It's not. They're not True good. Story. They are going to feed David Montgomery. I think this game. I think they're gonna. They're gonna find ways to get him the ball. And I think just off a pure volume standpoint, David Montgomery is going to be able to produce for you uh, if you have him in your fantasy lineup. And I think he's kind of a sneaky play this week because again, he's been out a couple weeks with that. You know, coming off a concussion is never great. And David Montgomery is not exactly a sexy player. You don't. You aren't super excited to fire him up. But I think the yeah. matchup this week with him and the volume he's going to get could provide you some really good fantasy value. My concern there um, is game script because I think the Bears are going to be down and then I don't know how much they're going to be able to run in the second half. But uh, to your point, the Packers, if there's a weakness on that defense, it is their ability to stop the run. So uh, any kind of running back against them is probably a good play as long as I guess your expectations are kept in check. Um, Yeah. I, I like Wayne Gallman this week as a low-end running back. Uh, he's just $5,000 on DraftKings. He's been RB7 in the last five weeks. He's really scored good. at least 13 points in the last four games. He's one of those guys that, you know, we're not talking about at all because his team is relatively awful, and sometimes his quarterback has more rushing yards than he does. Um, but the Bengals give up a lot of explosive runs. And here's the funny thing about this. Geno Atkins returned to the Bengals lineup last week, and it actually hurt them in this department, though he is designed to do the opposite. They give up more yards per play on the ground when he is in than when he is out. It's 5.8 yards per play compared to 4.5 when he's out. Last week, when he was back in for the first time, they gave up 165 rushing yards to the Washington football team. So again, Wayne Gallman, sneaky good, great matchup this week. Also cheap on DraftKings, $5,000. So I'm going to find a way to plug him into my lineup. Another guy that I think that some people are going to sit down that I am going to find a way to get in if they actually play the game is Gus Edwards, who's $5,200 on DraftKings. Uh, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are out with COVID. Now, yes, the Steelers, that's a tough matchup, right? They're allowing the seventh fewest rushing yards allowed. They're tied for fewest rushing touchdowns allowed. They're allowing the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. None of this spells like a please put the running back in against this team. But uh, the Ravens ran for 265 yards against Pittsburgh in week eight. So this specific team actually had a lot of success running against them now granted he did have some of those other running backs going in and out he wasn't like a feature back he wasn't getting the bulk of the volume that changes things defensively in terms of what you're going to try and stop no Lamar Jackson the offense is a disaster right so this is a keep your expectations in check but also keeping in mind that RG3 is maybe the guy that's throwing the ball I don't know how much you're going to want to throw the ball so maybe just handoff 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 and just tons of volume for Gus Edwards, who, by the way, had his best game of the year against the Ravens in Week 8, 
with 14.7 points. Yeah. So I those agree. are my running I, backs. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Gus Edwards isn't something, somebody that I was necessarily looking out for, being like, I'm going to put this guy in because, like he said, the Steelers' defense is very good. But we did see week eight that he is a good running back against the Steelers. I think the problem for me that I, I run into is if no Lamar Jackson, they don't have to account for him. RG3 mm-hmm. is not really the running threat that Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. is, to say the least. So I think when you don't have to account for that sort of speed in the backfield at your quarterback position, it's easier to kind of key in on the running back position. But I think, like you said, as a, from just like a pure volume, like he's the only person in that backfield that has taken a handoff before. So they're going to find ways to get him the ball, and he's going to be the guy by the goal line. And we've we've seen him kind of take goal line carries before away from J.K. Dobbins, away from Mark Ingram before. He's kind of a big bruising back that can bust through the line. So I expect him to, you know, get his opportunities to, to score some touchdowns as well as his volume play. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. I'm just a little apprehensive, like you said, with that, if Lamar's Totally. Out. Yes, there's reason to be apprehensive. I think that it's one of those things where if you look at the price point and then you suggest, you know, that there's upside there, there's obviously there's a low floor, you know, but, but how low is the floor if you're getting the type of volume that you're inevitably going to get when there are no other running backs available? (laughs) You're the dude. So barring an injury early on, like they're going to keep feeding you whether it's working or not, one would think. Um, from a wide receiver standpoint, Tyreek Hill, expect him to have a pretty good game, right? The Bucks yeah. just allowed Cooper Cup and Bobby Trees to go for 275 on Monday. Uh, if you don't think that that spells a good day for Tyreek Hill, then you haven't seen Tyreek Hill play. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a guy that I'm getting into my DFS lineups this week with a price point of $4,900. He's got a great matchup. We talked about the Falcons. They give up a lot of deep balls to wide receivers, um, and that's obviously his jam in that Vegas offense. It could be a good game for Rugs too, but I don't think you can count on it since we haven't seen it frequently enough. We're waiting for that breakout game. So maybe this is week where you fire up Rugs and just be that, you know, person that calls your shot. But I think the safer play there is Nelson Aguilar because he's going to get some balls downfield and uh, the chances are against this Falcons defense that those will be caught. Uh, Curtis Samuel at $5,100 on DraftKings. He's a primary red zone target. He has eight catches in the red zone. The rest of the wide receivers for the Panthers combined for six in the red zone. And the Vikings have allowed 12 red zone touchdowns to wide receivers. Also, Curtis has scored a touchdown in four of the last five games. They work him into the run game sometimes too. He's one of those guys, almost like a Debo Samuel, where they just use him as a weapon and find ways to get him the ball. So I think against a Vikings defense that has been suspect, that's a good play there. Um, And again, a relatively cheap play at $5,100. Christian Kirk, I think it's a good matchup for him. He leads the Cardinals in deep targets. He's coming off a bad game, uh, was pretty quiet in uh, that game last week, but they, they get him the ball downfield, and the Patriots, that's their weakness. On defense, they give up a lot of deep balls. So I think that that's a guy you could plug in and have some success with. Also, Devontae Parker. I don't love the idea of playing anybody on the, the Dolphins' offense right now, frankly, because I just don't know what to expect with Tua. I think they're being so conservative that I don't love it, but he has a great matchup. Yeah. The Jets' secondary is awful. They gave him 145 last week to Keenan and Allen. You cannot name a Jets DB, can you? No, not off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. And I See? People who live in New York could name a Jets DB. Maybe. Yeah. If they follow the Jets. Uh, but 
but most of us cannot, and there's a reason for that. Uh, Devontae Parker hurt his groin early in the Week 6 matchup against the Jets, so if you go back and you look at his stat line in that game to see if you think he's going to have success this time, then just know that that's not a full picture that you're seeing there. He didn't he didn't have a, a great outing, but he also wasn't healthy for it. From a tight end standpoint, um, the, the two at the top, uh, are going to smash, right? Kelsey yeah. against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's allowed an average of 12.9 fantasy points to tight ends. Um, that's two average tight ends. And yeah. this, is Travis Kelsey, this is Travis Kelsey, who's averaging 19.8. So I expect him to go nuts. Uh, Darren Waller, also a great matchup against the Falcons. 29th in yards per target to tight ends. He's second amongst tight ends in targets. So uh, I expect... I expect Kelsey and Waller to return on investment this week there. And a guy that I'm looking at, and tight end is such a weird position this week. Everybody's streaming their tight ends. You're just looking for a good matchup. I will just tell you straight up that I have not hit on a lot of my streaming tight ends this year. So this whole like trying to find this strategy with the analysis and the matchup and looking through the stats hasn't totally worked out for me yet. Yeah. But (laughs) I like Eric Ebron. Again, if the game happens. He's just $4,100. Probably see lots of him in the slot. The Ravens give up second most catches and receiving yards to tight ends in the slot. He's played 61% of the snaps, or he did in week eight when they faced them. He played 61% of his snaps in the slot uh, then and had his second best game of the year with 14.8 points. Yeah, he's also averaging five targets, at least five targets a game over the last four games, and three of the last four games he has caught a touchdown. So if you have to stream a tight end, there is definitely worse you could do than Eric Ebron. He's definitely got the grip on the number one position in in Pittsburgh. Ben looks for him. He looks for him in the red zone. I mean, he's not gonna he's not guaranteeing you points every game, but he is seeing consistent volume and consistent red zone targets enough that you could definitely take a flyer on him and feel and feel somewhat comfortable that you're at least gonna get a few catches. So you could do worse. Um, I also I've been streaming uh, the Trey. I've been riding the Trey Burton uh, train yeah. a little bit here, and yeah, I, I think I'm okay with it this week as well. Going up against the Titans again. Um, Philip Rivers. He had a touchdown last week, right? He did. He had a touchdown last week. They involve him in, in wildcat kind of offense around the goal line a lot. So there's kind of the rushing upside. They do that ever because he played, you know, played quarterback at Florida. So they they throw him behind the line of scrimmage in the quarterback wildcat position every once in a while. And he's rushed for I think three touchdowns on the season. So there's some rushing upside for Trey Burton, which some, you know it's weird to say for a tight end, but. He, he can also disappoint you, but I think if you have to look for someone, you know, Philip Rivers loves throwing those tight ends, so Moelle Cox, Trey Burton are out there. Those yeah, are some guys have, you can target. They have like 800 tight ends. <laughs> like, it's like they're they have, in like, like four tight end sets in Indy. I don't understand, but he finds ways to get them all the ball. Jack Doyle had a touchdown last week along with Trey Burton. He finds Moelle Cox a lot out of the slot when Moelle Cox lines up in the slot. I mean, if you're going to find some streaming tight ends, you could kind of pick one of the indie tight ends and kind of hope for that the touchdown pass or the touchdown look, and it, it could potentially happen. <laughs> so I hate I like that them. roll of the dice. Yeah. In season long, I get it, right? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to pick somebody up and who's available and who's not available. And yeah, so exactly. Then picking up a Colts tight end feels like a smart decision. If you're constructing a roster in DFS, I always want to stay away from them because yeah. it's so easy to have picked the wrong one. Yeah, and you don't want to spend money on a Colts signing in DFS. I'm not. I'm certainly not trying to build a team around a Colts tight end. But yeah, I think that's more of a season long look. If you need to stream someone, check out the Colts tight end room because on any given week, one of them is going to score a touchdown. 
I am all in on the Giants defense this week. Awesome. If you're looking for a Big streaming same. D and you haven't plugged that in yet, I mean, it's obvious reasons, right? Ryan Finley starting at quarterback for the Bengals is incorrect. Uh, has Brandon Allen will be, be starting, just so you know. What? Brandon Allen will be starting quarterback for the Bengals. It will not be Ryan Finley. Brandon Allen out of the University of Arkansas will be starting for the Bengals this weekend. Did you just break news to me? On I don't, my po- that's just embarrassing. Don't embarrass me, Saul. <laughs> I don't think it's breaking news. This came out a couple days ago. I thought you had seen no, it. I did not see it. Okay, so uh, either way. Yeah, I mean, still, again, not a guy that you trust it to lead your team exactly. I mean, granted, Brennan Allen did come on for the Broncos and beat the Browns last year, so he might be a little more prepared than, Bran- than you know, Brian Finley, and that's why I also kind of like... Uh, he might have... Uh, his passer rating might be better than zero. Yeah, it's 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 which potential. is what Ryan Finley did last week. Which is zero not great. Passer rating. No, um, that's not. You don't have it, to know much about football to know that like a zero passer rating is yeah. not ideal. I'm very bad at math, and I know that that's not what you're looking for. Good. Cool. All right. So e- either way, uh, I think this whole situation in Cincinnati is kind of a bummer from a fantasy standpoint in terms of the Bengals wide receivers, because there are some playable assets there and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. And now you kind of have to think about whether or not you want to roll the dice with them with Brandon Allen. (laughs) I like, I like Tyler Boyd in this game. Um, And I like Tyler Boyd because the giants are giving up the 11th most fantasy points out of the slot. And that is where Tyler Boyd kind of does most of his work. And I think, like we said, I think Brandon Allen's a little better quarterback than Ryan Finley, and I think he's going to be looking for a safety valve, and I think that safety valve is going to be Tyler Boyd this game. And what I think convinces you that Brandon Allen's a better quarterback than Ryan Finley? I've seen Brandon Allen win a, fo- a professional football game. Uh, he filled in for the Broncos last season and beat the Browns. Granted, the Browns aren't, weren't particularly good last year, but he was a very capable quarterback in that game and threw two touchdowns. It wasn't like he was just handing the ball off to Philip Lindsay and letting him score. Brandon Allen threw two touchdown passes in that game, so... It's not exactly like he's coming in untested in the NFL. He has a vi- uh, NFL victory under his belt, and I've seen him play. You know, I saw him play in college, and he was a pretty good quarterback at the University of Arkansas, and was kind of undervalued, I think, coming out and you know signed on to the Jags practice squad and spent some time in LA. But I've seen him play football, and he just has a better grasp on it than people think. And I think he's just kind of a name that people don't know, which is understandable because he has one start in the NFL, but that start is a win with two touchdown passes and I believe over 200 yards passing. So I think he's a pretty capable quarterback and has played in this league in a way that, you know, kind of elevates him to me above Ryan Finley. And obviously the, the Bengals think that too. So I think Tyler, I think Tyler Boyd could have himself a good game. Obviously the chemistry might not be as there like it was with Joe Burrow and, and T Higgins and that sort of stuff. But Depending on how the game script goes, I think Tyler Boyd could have himself a pretty good day. He already has a pretty high floor, all things considered, and I think he kind of stays in that range this game despite their quarterback switches. I have never before heard such an impassioned argument in favor of a third-string quarterback starting a football game as I just did. Hats off to you. Thank you. I uh, Big Brandon Allen guy over here. <laughs> All right, so you are higher on the Bengals uh, than I am in this one, uh, as I plug the Giants defense into every single lineup that I have. Um, as for uh, other people that I'm not high on this week, my fades include Tom Brady. Okay, and yeah. it's not just a reaction to last week's game or anything like that. It, this is a bad matchup <laughs> uh, in terms of his weakness meeting 
their strength as a defense, the Chiefs. He is struggling to throw the ball downfield, right? He started this season for whatever reason that wasn't a problem. But in the last five weeks, he has a passer rating of 25 when he's targeting players 20 yards or more downfield. That is 24 deep attempts that he has taken in the last five weeks. In those 24 attempts, he has completed four passes Mm. and he has thrown three interceptions. It is not working. And the Chiefs allow just a 29% completion rate on throws of 20 yards or more and a 49.8 passer rating against. So this is 100% a case of the thing that he is struggling with right now is the thing that they do not allow people to do against them. This is not a get-back-on-track game for him. This is a game where I'm concerned about his ball, his ability to push the ball down the field to those weapons that we all like plugging into our fantasy lineups in uh, Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown. I don't like plugging Antonio Brown into my fantasy lineup, but that has nothing to do with football. Uh, also, all of those offensive line issues that we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the people up front protecting Brady and giving him time to throw and – uh, it's just, it, I think it's a recipe for disaster. I don't see this yeah. working for the Bucks this week. I think that offensive line thing is the key. Like Brady, we've seen, especially as he's gotten, you know, just kind of, he's just older now and like he hates pressure. He does not deal with it well. He can't avoid it. He doesn't have the mobility to do so. And, and I think that's what's going to really, really break him this game is I think the Chiefs are going to get pressure and they're going to make him uncomfortable in the pocket and make him step up or move around. And Tom Brady hates doing that, especially this season. Um, you see him get frustrated when they give up sacks and that sort of thing. And his, his offensive line this this week is um, it's a mess it's a mess and, and through no fault of their own injuries happen that sort of thing but he's going to feel the pressure a lot and it's it's going to disrupt him and I don't think he's going to have a very good game I hope that uh, they can get Ali Marpet out there um to at least help in that department uh I don't like Rojo in this game uh he tends to get touches when they are ahead or tied Yes. I think this is going to be a negative game script situation. I think that the Bucks will be down um, having to play catch up against the Chiefs. And weirdly, Fournette gets the action when they're down trying to get back in games. He's played two-thirds of the offensive snaps when the Buccaneers are losing over the last four weeks. So it feels like Rojo's the guy that they go to if they're up and they're trying to stay there. And Fournette is the guy that they go to if they're down and trying to get back in the game. They work him into the passing game, things like that. So I think the game script calls for this to be more of a Fournette game than a Rojo game. But personally, I probably just want to sit them both down, and I definitely want to sit down Rojo. Yeah, I agree. That one of the more infuriating backfields in the league uh, to try to keep up with. They both can score points, and we've seen Rojo put up big points before. Um, but never it, it always feels like a roll of the dice, no matter which one of those guys you're starting, um, because they could both hit or they could both come up just with goose eggs. So really frustrating backfield, but I agree. I don't, I'm not looking to put either of them in a, any sort of lineup this week if I can avoid it. Another guy in that game that I want to fade, not for the Buccaneers. So see, I'm not just hating on the Bucks. This is a Chiefs player, Clyde Edwards-Elair. Yes, correct. I want him out. Same. I don't want him. Tampa either. Bay hasn't allowed a running back to go over 44 rushing yards since week two. Yeah. Not over are... 44. Yeah, they it's feast or famine sometimes with Clyde, and it's very much going to be kind of a famine situation here. The you know I think the game script last week kind of gave me hope of like the usage as far as Clyde Edwards Lair versus Le'Veon Bell. I think they still kind of lean on Clyde a little bit more than they do Lev, and I think that's good fantasy wise. But I don't think that really matters against this Tampa Bay defense. I don't even know if this one needs to be said. Um, I don't I don't know how many people are playing Jared Cook right now. <laughs> 
but um, he's had a tough stretch. <laughs> I, I just want to bring to your attention that if you think that this is the game where he might snap out of it, I don't think that it is. The Broncos have not allowed a tight end to score since week one. Yeah, and I don't so... think that changes with Jared Cook, with Taysom Hill mm-hmm. under center either. Taysom Hill fed almost Michael Thomas exclusively last weekend. Um, yeah. And I think that that probably continues this week. I mean, he kind of looked for Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, I think for the first time in his professional career, Alvin Kamara didn't have a catch. If no. I recall, didn't, didn't have time. A, Yeah, just did not have a single catch. So I think that trend kind of continues. I think they will probably keep the ball on the ground um, with, you know, the double running attack now that they had the Taysom Hills under center. They can run with him. They can run with Alvin. They can run. Latavius Murray had a really good game last week. They've been kind of giving him the ball a little bit as well. So I think the, the Saints lean more on that run game against the Broncos here. And I think it, when Taysom Hill does throw the ball, he's probably not looking for Jared Cook. He threw the ball a lot last week. He really did. A lot more than I thought. Uh, uh, they kind of shifted in the second half to a little bit more of what we expected, but they came out of the gate and uh, there weren't a lot of design runs for him. The thing that I think is interesting about Taysom Hill is that some of the plays that he had his most success on, right, the two rushing touchdowns for him, um, those were on plays where even if Drew Brees was the quarterback, they probably would have thrown Taysom Hill in there. That's how we're used to them using him. Right. So there was part of me that watched that game and thought, he still could have done a lot of his damage with Jameis as the quarterback. Yeah. Because they could have just still rotated him through, and then you get the advantage of what Jameis brings to the table, which is um, pushing the ball downfield. Yes, there's a risk there from a turnover standpoint, but I just think that he is going to almost – you know, double your yardage output from a from a passing standpoint. So even if you get some of those taken off the table, essentially because of a turnover, I just think he he gives you an opportunity to utilize the weapons like Michael Thomas, maybe a little bit more, and then you can still rotate the Taysom Hill in there for the plays on which they had a lot of success. Taysom and I don't know, I don't want to make too much of it. It's one game, but he did underthrow Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, badly. Uh, yes. You know, Sanders had to stop and come back to it, and then that turned out to be kind of a disaster. So I'm not sold on Taysom Hill yet. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think he's— curious to see how this is going to go. Yeah, he's— I don't. I don't think. He, I think he's earned a little more respect for me from sure. I don't think of him as yes. purely a gadget player anymore. I kind of thought he was just kind of like a gadget guy. It's like, all right, you're an athlete, but we don't know what to do with you. So go out here when we're close to the end zone, and we'll get you the ball, and you can just gotta try to get in. Um, he had some good looking passes. I mean, you know, Sean Payton has sang this guy's praises since he joined the team, and has always said that this guy's the future. I still. I mean, I'm sure he feels great after last the last game, but again, that was the, what the Falcons, and they're playing the Broncos this year. Kind of too easier games to ease yourself into being the starting quarterback of an NFL team. Um, Mm. I don't know if I want Taysom Hill under center if I'm down 10 and we have two minutes left, you know? Yeah, exactly. Can he throw you back into the game? Yeah. I don't know. But uh, he definitely earned more respect from me this past week. I'm still not totally convinced that I love the call, and I think I still want Jameis under center, but I'm not in charge. (laughs) So, uh, by the way, Taysom – Loses his tight end designation. He does. I uh, I was able to sneak him in. I was able to sneak him in as my tight end last year uh, or last week. Uh, Had some people that were upset about it, but as someone that was following the rules, I didn't see any problem with it. I was like, if you had thought of it, you know, he he was out there on waivers. You know, I went and picked him up, put him in for the tight end slot, and people in your league were mad at you for doing it. 
they were mad uh, that they didn't think of it, but so it, that kind of transpired as mad at me. Uh, they just were upset that they hadn't had the forethought to grab him in and put him in. But yeah, he does lose his. It doesn't matter. It was one game. Uh, he's yeah. he's a quarterback moving forward, and I think that's fine. So. I don't foresee him playing any other position the rest of the way. And, you know, we'll see what I – my question is, like, is Drew Brees going to be able to play again this season? I mean, 11 out of your 12 ribs are broken and you punctured a lung. Right? I know he's a tough guy, but, man, if you're over 40 and that you broke mm. almost all your ribs and you punctured your lung, I don't know how soon you can come back. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with that. That just sounds so awful. It really just sounds it's so – on a pretty normal hit, it looked like. A pretty normal football like, play. I am nowhere near uh, an athletic person, so I say that with that kind of self-awareness. Um, I hurt my back last week, and uh, it was a disaster. Like, just getting in and out of the car. It was like an old lady, like, yeah. swing the leg over and do it very, very carefully. And he has 11 broken ribs and a lung situation. Yeah. So. And it's talking about how he can't wait to get back on the field. Yeah, okay. I I do believe that. I believe yeah. that he can't wait to get back on the field, but I also believe that uh he probably shouldn't be on the field right now. <laughs> yeah, so. No okay, so again, the Ravens Steelers is a game that we're keeping our eye on. Other than that, a lot of fun games ahead on Sunday. Hopefully, this has been a little bit helpful in terms of setting your fantasy lineups. I'm going to have to go adjust my DFS lineup to get all the Ravens players out just in case, have a backup plan. It's so complicated, Saul. It is. I don't deal well with complications. I just want it, like, I want to know what's happening so that I can make all my decisions and not have to think on the fly. Let me give you one final note before you leave okay. if you're making these decisions. I I had this guy kind of planned out for my DFS, but I just got the notification that Salvin Ahmed for the Dolphins is out now. Ahmed. He, Ahmed He's will what? not be playing. He will not be playing this week. Uh, he has been downgraded to out. He was questionable all week. I'd kind of been keeping an eye on him. He was one of my favorite DFS plays, um, but he has been ruled out. So no Salvin Ahmed this week for the Dolphins. Well... Look at you breaking news, getting <laughs> hey, notifications. That's what you come to we the We need to get for. like a, a sound effect. We do. We got to get like an air horn or something. I'll go to you, uh, you know, like who needs Ian Rappaport when you have Saul Malone who can probably tell me what Ian Rappaport is reporting, but. I'm, a, I'm, a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just quoting, I'm just tweeting, I'm just quoting Air, Air, Air Schefter's tweets, so don't take too much stock into it. <laughs> get Ahmed out. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Saul. This has been fun. This was a great we'll talk time. Talk again on Monday. <laughs> I would say I'll see you Monday. <laughs>